Good evening. Let's pray. Let's read Psalm 133. We're going to talk about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So, Holden, would you mind passing those out to everybody, please? And I'll take a copy as well. Actually, I can just grab it. Matthew, um, left, kind of up and left, the Cantus is right on the corner of my bookshelf, if you wouldn't mind grabbing the hymnal. Thank you. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we're so incredibly grateful for this evening and for our family and for this time to come together to worship you in joy. And so we ask you to fill our hearts uh, with your grace and your mercy and just let us ooze, ooze the joy of the Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read. Ah, thank you, sir. Let's read Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. So it was good. It was almost like a round of thanks be to God. We started this way and moved to that another room. It's good to see everybody. It's, uh, it feels like winter. I was out shoveling this morning, and I said to the guy across the street that it's actually, it's actually winter finally. But what an awesome advent we've had so far. I really, really enjoyed last weekend. Uh, we got to discuss Advent. We got to look at our world in this season through new eyes as we discussed James Jordan's book, Through New Eyes. We discussed the hope that we have in Christ, and especially in this period of anticipation and waiting that we are in Advent. So last week at church, uh, for those of you that don't come to the church, we're doing Advent through the Psalms. So we're studying a psalm each of the four Sundays of the lines with the four themes of Advent before Christmas. So last week we looked at Psalm 80. And then this week, tomorrow, we're going to continue our journey with Psalm 85. So we looked at hope last week. We're going to look at love. And then I, it's kind of perfect timing. We have a huge, ugly sweater party next weekend. It's incredible. And we, we filled this little house elbow to elbow with so many people and so many ugly sweaters. And next weekend's theme for Advent is joy. And ugly sweaters bring me much joy. So I'm excited about that. And so tonight I wanted to kind of circle around and look at the hymn that we've added at church, an Advent hymn. <clears throat> and I mentioned last week that there's actually a selection of Advent hymns. And I saw for you guys, they're taking an order at your church for these. So if you don't have one at home, you should totally get one. But um, there's a whole set of Advent hymns that exist. And they're, they're, everything's organized in the Cantus chronologically. And so the Advent hymn that we've added, that we wanted to add this year, is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And we did that because we figured most folks would know it. And it's an incredible hymn. And so what I wanted to do tonight was I wanted to take a look at the words in that hymn, and I wanted to break them down and then tie them to Scripture. And I hope that that gives us some new eyes as we look at what we sing. And that's the, the power of hymns. Like when we connect with what the words say to where it says it in Scripture, there, there's an emotional response that comes out of us when we sing these songs. That's why they, they have so much power. And so I didn't even know until this year there were Advent-specific hymns. I didn't even know until this year that some churches do an Advent caroling session. So I think for next year, 2024, our goal will be to do Advent carols, and then we'll do Christmas carols afterwards. Because Christmas is actually celebrated. When's Christmas celebrated? You know. Christmas and then the 12 days of Christmas. We celebrate Advent up until Christmas, and then we celebrate Christmas and the 12 days afterwards. So, Advent. This is our season of patient anticipation, a time of preparation. And it's a different season. Because it's a different season as we prepare and we wait, we sing different songs. 
And that makes sense because we tie it back to that church calendar that we discussed a couple weeks ago. The church calendar that sits on top of our regular calendar that, that allows us to look at our seasons kind of through new eyes, through, through specific eyes and how they tie back to, to Jesus Christ. So these times and these seasons elicit an emotional response in us. And, and I think part of that process is they draw our thinking towards the Lord in a specific manner in each specific season. And that allows us to worship Him better and, and to grow in Him better and to glorify Him better. And so this season is that season of anticipation, <clears throat> the season of waiting and preparing. And so our songs should reflect that. And at the church, as well as here in the house, I was saying before, we use the Cantus, the Cantus Christi 2020. And if you attend church, like I was saying, and you guys should do it when you go to your churches, we can flip through and look at the Advent hymns or do it tonight. Take a look and see some of the songs that are there. Um, also, Canon's selling them at like a 10% discount if you buy them before the end of the year. That's what we did last year, I think. I think we bought them at like an end-of-year sale at 10% off, so you should get them anyways. But the hymnal here, it's arranged in a particular order. So in this hymnal, it goes Psalms, call, uh, Calls to Worship, Consecration, Communion, Commission, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Life of Christ, Palm Sunday, The Passion, The Resurrection, The Ascension, Pentecost, All Saints Day, Thanksgiving, Baptism, evening service, and then service music, which is like the Gloria Patri and the doxology. And it's organized in a manner that, that supports covenant renewal worship, especially when we think about things like call to worship, consecration, communion, commission, that, that call to worship, that we can talk about the six-fold nature of all of those things like we did on Sunday school. But it's organized in a manner in which you would use it, so you start on this side and you usually end over here, which kind of makes sense, right? That's pretty rad. Smart people did smart things. So it's music for all seasons, and that's because music matters. Most everybody here understands that. We just came from a piano recital, and we got to listen to beautiful music played. I, it was Bach, you know, Bach signed each one of his, are they symphonies or orchestras? What does Bach write? Pieces, pieces. He signed them solo de gloria, uh, for the glory of God. So mu music created to glorify God. And so for the last year, We'll sing hymns at church, and then I'll sometimes I will give a little bit of commentary on what we sang, and I'm encouraging you to read the words that we sing and to, to like really impress those words on your heart. And, and I'm encouraging that especially because we sing kind of the same set of handful of hymns as we're learning to be people who sing the psalms and sing the hymns. And so we don't want to get lost in like a rote regurgitation of, of lyrics. We want to really have the meaning of those words impressed upon our hearts because there's power in those lyrics. There's power in those lyrics when we sing them together. You can feel the gravitas of a hymn or a psalm that is sung versus like contemporary Christian music. And I listen to plenty of contemporary Christian music in the car, not at church. So the season of Advent, as I said, comes with its own hymns. And what I wanted to do is look at this, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and this hymn that we're going to read uh, or sing, geez, at church. But I am going to read it to you first, and we're going to sing it afterwards. So it's, um, you guys have copies of it. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst, didst Give the law in cloud and majesty and in awe. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine from Satan's tyranny. It's really hard to read this 
and not try to sing it. And I stink it. You guys know how I sing, so bear with me. Yeah, bear with me. Help! Everybody has different gifts. From the depths of hell thy people save and give them victory over the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou day spring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse thy gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou key of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. That's really powerful. There, there are... There are really powerful words here. I would encourage you as families to sing these. If, if, you're, like, if you're like me, not particularly musically inclined, there's a lot of growth in your life for your musical abilities. Christ Church in Moscow has every single one of the hymns from the Cantus available with sheet music you can download on their website and uh, MP3 you can listen to it with their choir singing it. And if that's not enough, sing your part app, which is free. You can put all four parts. You select this hymnal. It's every single hymn, and it plays the music. And then if you're like really adept like some of you are, which is not me, and you know the different parts, and you can sing bass or tenor or soprano or alto or whatnot, you can just play that part and hear what you're supposed to sing. I can't do any of that. But it's free, and it's really cool. It teaches you, it teaches you how to sing these. So we are a people who sing Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. It's why we sing. This is why we are a singing people. We praise the Lord with our voices by singing. We come into his presence singing. And so with that, let's take a deeper look at this hymn. So it's originally a Latin hymn. Tristan's in Latin right now, so he, he told me how it was pronounced. Weni, Weni, Emmanuel, which means come, come, God be with us. O come, O come, God be with us. And it's a hymn that's at least 1,200 years old. It's a metrical paraphrase of what is called the O antiphons, which are chanted antiphons, 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 I don't know, antiphons, thank you, which are attached to Mary's Magnificat, which we're going to talk about in a couple weeks on Christmas hymn night on the 23rd. They would usually be sung at an evening or a Vespers service, and they would be sung in the final days of Christmas. But it wasn't until 1851... A guy named John Neal published an English translation of this hymn. And his version, uh, while first called Draw Nigh, Draw Nigh, Emmanuel, which I think is pretty great, <laughs> is still the same version that is predominantly sung today. A few word changes, a couple lyrics were added. In 20th century, they added, I guess it's not lyrics, it's two more stanzas were added in the 20th century. So, for those of you who understand what I'm about to say, God bless you. The hymn uses an 88.88.88 meter scheme because it is a metrical hymn. I have no idea what those words mean. The meter is shared between the Latin version and the English version. What that means to me is that the Latin version and the English version have the same meter. Go ahead. I think that means they have the same syllable pattern in each line. Yeah. That would make sense. Like I was saying, they have the Latin version and the English version have the same syllable pattern in each line. Thank you. <laughs> 
So, the tune that we sing today is predominantly the same as the one that was sung in 1851. Now, there was some question until the 1960s on where the tune actually originated. And after much research, it was a, it's a French tune. It was French in origin, and it was chanted at burial rites. So that's where the tune that the lyrics have been associated with comes from. But there is a lyrical and poetic beauty to this hymn that pairs well with the tune, which makes sense, what you said, with the syllables and the meter being shared. That makes a lot of sense. Which I think is something else that's powerful about hymns and chanting psalms, particularly, more so than just contemporary music, is that when these things get paired together, it elicits this emotional response. There's, it is a deeply moving hymn. And so what, what, when we read this, when we sing this, we see that it doubles not only in anticipation for Christ's birth, but also his second coming. There's two layers to this, right? And then we've talked about this in Advent. Like Advent, we, there's the first Advent, anticipation for Christmas. And then there's the second Advent that we're participating in, which is anticipating Christ's return. So it's a, it's a praise of yearning. It's a longing. O come, O come, God be with us. And what's fun is that when you start to look at the lyrics, you can see where the biblical tie-ins come from. And so I think when we do that, when we look at what we sing and we compare it to what Scripture says, it allows us to see what we sing through new eyes. So I guess you could say, he who has eyes, let him see, and has ears, let him hear. So why Emmanuel? Well, Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. So the virgin gives birth to the one, Emmanuel. And then look at verse 3 of the hymn. I, have to, I turned the page, of course. So verse 3, O come thou rod of Jesse, free from thine uh, own, from Satan's uh, tyranny. So what about this idea of the rod of Jesse, or the branch of Jesse, or the shoot of Jesse? Well, Isaiah 11, 1, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Well, who's Jesse? Well, it's David's father. And so we, we start to take this lineage, right? We start to see this lineage of where Jesus, the Messiah, is prophesied from. This branch from the house of David. And what does that branch do? It bears fruit. And then look at how verse 3 ends. This is incredible. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory over the grave. So it's Christ who comes and conquers death. Right? You are more than conquerors because of His finished work. And then we get to look at de uh, verse 4. O come thou dayspring from on high. Have you ever thought of the term dayspring? I hadn't either, even though I've read the verse a bunch, until I started looking at this. Luke 178. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. This day spring, the sunrise that visits us on high. And it, and it comes from Zechariah's prophecy when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, listen to the whole prophecy of Zechariah. This is Luke 1, through 79. And then you can think of this from this concept of day spring. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy, to, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, 
and holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sun rise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. It's a day spring. It's cool. It's so incredible. It's so absolutely incredible. O come thou day spring from on high and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse thy gloomy clouds of night and death dark shadow put to flight. Isn't that incredible? It's, pardon? Is it? Oh, that's funny. I thought that was the one I printed from. I printed that from the Cantus. Maybe it's an, <laughs> yeah. Who, what is it? What does yours say? We'll come that day, spring, come and cheer our spirits by thy our spirits oh. by thine, cheer us by thine Oh, sorry. So, oh, come thou day, spring, from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Interesting. So it's a little bit different. Interesting, huh? And I printed that from the same place that wrote this book. So I bet that's the version that's in the older Cantus because there was an older Cantus as well. But it is incredible, right? This idea of the day spring from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death because Jesus Christ is life from death. <laughs> it's, it's, this is what we're, we're anticipating, what we're, we're waiting for, the acknowledgement of these things. And then look at this last verse, <clears throat> verse 5. O come thou key of David, come. Have you ever heard this term, key of David? It comes from Revelation 3, 7 through 8. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. The key of David. The key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. Come, God, be with us. You have to think about how powerful this is. This God, come, be with us, the one who mourns our exile here. Like May the Son of God appear, Lord of might, who gave us His law and majesty, the branch, the rod of Jesse, who is free from the tyranny of Satan because he's already beat the devil, who saves us from the depths of hell, provides us victory over the grave, the day spring on high, cheer us how? By drawing us near. Cheers us on by drawing us closer to him. And then there's no more gloomy clouds of night, right? There's, we, are, we are saved from the ultimate gloom and the ultimate evil, right? Like we're saved from that. We may experience battles and scuffles and things here, but we're saved from death, from the gloomiest clouds of night, because death, dark shadows is put to flight. The key of David come now, open the gates to our heavenly home, bring us back to Eden. Open the gates back. We're going to see this again tomorrow in, in Psalm 85, and we saw it last week in Psalm 80. There's this prayer for restoration of Israel. They want to return back to a sinless place. They want to be restored to the closeness of God. Like it would take us back to Eden. 
Restore us to the people that we were created to be, the image bearers of you. There's a plea for that. There's an anticipation. There's a waiting for that. May evil and sin be done with for good. And see, with that, like this is where we're going to talk about this next week. I've been kind of chewing on this for like an hour before you guys got here. Christians suck at joy. Like so bad. Like, like rejoice, rejoice. <laughs> There's <laughs> so bad. We are very joyful people. We are supposed to be the most joyful people in the world. Now, I, that Moscow mojo is full of joy. That's why I think we are connected with the people that we are all connected with because it's joy. It oozes. It literally oozes joy, even in like crazy times of persecution and unfair magistrates and all of those things. But like when you look at this hymn and you read these words and you read the scripture, when you get to the, the chorus, is it called the chorus? Yes, the chorus. And it says, rejoice, rejoice. The God who is with us shall come again. Israel, his people, his church. Like we should be partying. We should be feasting. That's what we're about to go do. But that's why we are people who are feasting, right? We are people who rejoice. We are people who are supposed to be the most joyful people in the world because God is with us. Like when we sing rejoice, we should sing it with the gusto of people who are in joy. We're going to talk next week about joy and the importance of joy and how I think like, it, it is the true mark of someone who is in faith in Jesus is a person who is in joy. Paul tells you to rejoice while he's in first century prison. It's like not Martha Stewart jail at all. He doesn't even get a TV or workout equipment or anything. We rejoice because the God who is with us will come again. We are His people. We are His church. Christ was born. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. So what do we do? We rejoice. We rejoice. And anytime in Hebrew, when we're, and I, I would argue probably Greek as well, when you see words that are repeated, the double emphasis, right? you have the right emphasis on the right syllable, the double emphasis of the word, it, it is to, to really draw you to that. Truly, truly, I tell you. Rejoice, rejoice. We are people who are to rejoice because the promises are true. This second advent we're in right now, it, it is a period of anticipation, but we can sing this song and we can sing about rejoicing because we know that God will return. The clown world doesn't win. That's why we get to laugh at clown world. It's, an, it's absolute hilarity. It's going to make for great books later in the future when the pendulum swings the other way. But, but God's promises are true. I asked the church throughout a lot of Matthew, do you believe in the promises of God? If you believe in the promises of God, you will be people that rejoice because He is yours and you are His. Rejoice, rejoice. Shall come to thee, O Israel. This is why we glorify God with song and hymn. We're going to sing this in a few minutes and you guys are going to sing so loudly. And then we're going to sing... Um, the Son of God goes forth to war because that's when we get to sing loudly as well. When we sing this, we should sing this with joy in our hearts because we're rejoicing people. And when we sing this, we should be reflecting on the goodness and mercy of our Lord Jesus as we await His return and as we're grateful for His arrival. Like, that's the beauty, right? Like, we're awaiting His return and we're grateful for His arrival, the one who has given us victory over death, born from a virgin to save the world from their sins to open the gates of the heavenly kingdom that no one can close. So rejoice, rejoice. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's sing and then let's eat.